to get right into it, I'm going to, I wasn't sure how to present this. The Lord dropped the idea on me. He said, I want you to share something that I shared with you as, and it came, it really, it came as a while back, just out of my curiosity of searching through things and all of a sudden this thing pops up, this article, this message, and it impacted me. And he said just two weeks ago, I want you to share what I, what I shared with you. So outside of the preaching, maybe, I don't know if you expect anything from me or not, I don't know, um, in, in style or whatnot, but when was the last time you were in Sunday school? Any hands? Do you remember Sunday school? How many attended Sunday school? Right on. So I've got some familiar people here. The Lord kind of led me to present this, this uh, message as a Sunday school lesson. And what I'm going to get you to do, there's going to be some activity in the sense, at least to start with. This is not a mandated request. So you can participate if you like. But I want every one of you to speak out loud your full name all at once. I'm going to count. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three. And all of you are to speak out your full name, middle names too. Loud and clear. One, two, three. Kenneth Preston Morrison. All right. So the Lord heard you. And he knows you. What I would, uh, the question that comes up first is, when you say your full name, how does it impact you? What behind that name impacts you when you share it with someone else? Good day. I come up to a, an acquaintance, a stranger. I do it every day at market. It's good day. Good day. Ken Morrison. How does that impact you? How does you saying your name impact either your own self-perception or how you want to be perceived to somebody else? The Bible is full of names. This is not an exhaustive study. We would be here for weeks. But... Some things I learned in this study, and it is about names. What's in a name? It um, founded in the Word of God. There are, I guess, I guess I'm going to ask for one more uh, exercise. I just want about maybe five people, if they'll participate, to tell me what your perception is of the Bible. What, what do you say the Bible is? Or how do you describe the Bible? Or what's your perception of it? 
instruction book for life. Anybody else? Dennis. Infallible word of God. A few more. Evangeline. Food for your soul. Judith. The Lord's love letter to me. All great descriptions. Ah, yes. Amen. That's a great segue. Holy Spirit must be working this. The Bible, to the academic, tends to be just a collection of books written by 40 authors over about 1,500 years and has maybe, everything, even this comes into question, maybe it's an historical account. That's the academic natural perception. But when you start looking at it and you start seeing the different ways the word works, um, I don't know all the facts about this, these subjects, but kind of looked into them, tasted them a bit. Uh, you, you've no doubt heard of numerology, the numbering uh, secret uh, messaging system in the Bible. Numerology. Theomatics, again, it's another one with numbers and whatnot. <clears throat> the, there's a group, I don't know how many Jewish rabbis, but there's a group of Jewish rabbis who believe that when Messiah comes, he will help them understand the full word of God. He will help them understand the passages. He will help them understand the words. He will help them understand the letters. He will help them even understand the spaces between the letters and the words. And in, in the study, the, the person who presented said he thought that was just a, you know, a, a noble exaggeration, admiring the word of God, until he decided to reread a verse in Matthew where Jesus says, don't think that I've come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And he said, not one, I'm paraphrasing here as, as my memory allows me, but he says, in the end of that verse, he says, not one jot or tittle will pass until it's fulfilled. The jot and the tittle is like dotting an I and crossing a T and having a space and having a letter. I've noticed in the Hebrew language, sometimes there's just a letter by itself, full of meaning. So, would you think, and it'll be hard to convince me, as I've learned and as I've studied over the years, and I'm, how can I put this? I'm a sanguine studier, okay? Things catch me, I, I get impacted by them, they, they, they grab my attention, I look into them, and sometimes uh, the depth of it uh, gets a little bit lost because I, I, I do a lot of superficial. And when I start going deeper, that's when things get set in my heart, I find. It may at be attractive, but it's when, wow, you step a little deeper into the, and you get, wow, 
you step a little and the root goes a little deeper and, and all of a sudden you'll never forget what he's taught you, what you've learned from him. And so I agree with the person who states this, you, you will you will never you will have a hard time convincing me otherwise that Jewish rabbis hid the gospel of Christ in their venerated Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible. That the Bible needs to be looked at as an integrated message system. And as uh, Gary, Terry, sorry. So many names. As Brother Terry said, Jesus is from the beginning to the end. The integrated message, the gospel, is there from beginning to end. And I'm going to show you with some names to begin with. And hopefully I don't glaze your eyes over. And I'm not going to be too, too exacting with this. What it is is a looking at the names of the genealogy in Genesis from Adam to Noah and looking at the root meaning of their name. Okay? So we're going to start with Adam. And the root meaning of Adam's name, first man, makes sense. The second name is Seth. And Seth means, in its root form, appointed. The next son is Enosh. And Enosh's name reflected mortality, frailty, miserableness. And in this mortal... The next son after Enosh is Kenan. And Kenan, his name equals sorrow. I'm not sure I spelt this fellow's name right. Mahalalel, son of Kenan, means blessed God. To continue, Jared, Mahalalel's son, interesting word, interesting meaning, shall come down. And we all know about Enoch. There's some interesting things about Enoch. Um, there's, There's lots of writings out there. I believe one of the disciples mentioned that if all the books were written about Jesus, it would fill the world. Um, But they're not necessarily in our Bible. And so there there are some interesting things to consider. I'll put it that way. Things to consider about Enoch. Jude, excuse me for just one moment. 
got my sword. Horrible thing to do. In Genesis, we're not told much about Enoch. Um, told about his genealogy, the kids he had, uh, how many years he lived. Uh, in, this is in Genesis. And uh, the, how many years before he died. The other mention of Enoch, which is interesting, is actually found in the New Testament, in the book of Jude. And in the study, and I kind of researched this to see, okay, is this guy right who made the statement? He said that Jude quoted from another book. And I've heard about it in recent years. Haven't looked into it personally other than in this study. It's called the Book of Enoch. And this person's study says that Jude quoted from the Book of Enoch regarding Enoch, uh, the Book of Enoch regarding Enoch. And it's found in Jude 14.15. See, the the book of Enoch tells about Enoch being a prophet. And I looked this up. I looked for verses to coincide in, in the Old Testament regarding Enoch and didn't find a reference. And it says, and Enoch also, this is Jude 14, and Enoch, verse 14, and Enoch also, the servant of the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Enoch according to the book of Enoch, prophesied about the flood long before Methuselah. And, or sorry, long before Noah. Why I mentioned Methuselah is that Methuselah is involved in the prophecy of the flood. And you'll see from his name the meaning of his name. The prophecy was to Enoch that Methus- the flood would not come until Methuselah died. And so, as we look at Enoch's name, it means teaching. And Methuselah, not exactly the name you'd really want to carry around. It says, his death shall bring. Methuselah had a son named Lamech. Lamech's name uh, is part of the root word that we use today in English, lamenting and lamentations. Lamech, his name... His, the meaning suggests despairing. And as we reach Noah, 
Noah's root name means to bring relief or comfort, rest. The meaning of the names has a message. Forty, Forty writers did not get together over 1,500 years and create this. There was no committee saying, there was no conspiracy committee to say, hey, we've we got to put something in here to make sure this sounds appropriate or has impact. The message of the names of the genealogy from Adam to Noah says, man appointed mortal sorrow it is appointed unto men once to die, right? Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. Jews wrote the gospel in Genesis. Rabbis wrote the gospel in Genesis. The message system of the Bible is an integrated message written inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, so that the message of Jesus started from here, not just ending at Noah. That's where the reset happened. I'm related to him. Almost, almost not related to him around here. And had Noah and his wife and his three sons and their daughters not have gotten on that ark, there wouldn't have been a relation to him here. God did not leave man in the situation from the beginning when Adam, by sin, uh, by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. God did not leave man in that situation without having a message throughout the whole generations that God has a way. So, the next curiosity that comes out of this, and are we, all, are we clear on that? Are there any questions regarding that? I guess the way to put it in a sentence, which that one sounded pretty good. <clears throat> this guy put it in a little more flowing sentence. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. All in, the, all in the names. The other curiosity that comes about is how many other names did God change? Or Jesus change? And in this lesson, <clears throat> is it okay if I erase some of this? You okay with that? I'm going to start with one we're familiar with, I believe, those of us who... Abram. And in the story we know that as God gave him a vision of a miraculous future, and as Abram grew, because it didn't change right away, he, he believed God, God took him out and said, hey, look at, look at the stars. 
you're going to have children this count this many. And Abram believed him. Told him his, his children would be as the sand of the sea. Abram believed him. And scripture says it was, account, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So Abram became, Abram became a believer, but it wasn't until later, as they went through some situations and whatnot, Abram means high father or exalted exalted father before God changed his name and through the situations and through many years it wasn't until Abram was 99 years old that God kind of reinforced the vision And Abram believed him, kept kept that faith. And Abram's name became, as we know, Abraham. And that equals father of a multitude of nations. So the dream grew. The the challenge, the challenge to practice his faith grew. God did this to strengthen Abraham's faith. Abram, when he was younger, could believe this, even as a natural man. He could believe that, yeah, we could have lots of kids. But at 99 years old, and Sarah close behind, God changed Sarah's name too. Means the same, but the S-A-R-A-H reflects this connection. As he changed Abraham's name, he brought her in with the connection. She's princess. That's what Sarah means. Both Sarai and Sarah means princess. So at 99 years old, he puts this in front of Abraham and changes his name. Abraham believes it. And we know challenges happened. And the thing about the name is that every time he said it, it reinforced the faith. Every time he said it, it reinforced the vision. Hey, who are you? I'm Abraham, father of a multitude of nations. Every time he said it. So the name, the meaning of the name, the name God gave him reinforced his faith. Some others that were changed by God, some I didn't know. Solomon. Solomon was named by God Jedediah, although it wasn't commonly used. uh, Pronouncing these are going to be challenging, possibly. Pushchar, Pushchar. Um, God changed his name to 
Magormisabib. Yeah. It means terror on every side. And this was because he prophesied lies to the people. And the judgment God put upon him was that he, in, in his life after, he would be terrified of everything that went on in his life. From his family, from his, from his nation, from his people, everything. He would be terrified. Jacob, we know, to Israel. Simon in the New Testament, we know to Peter. So God is in the... <clears throat> is in the business of changing names. Now, God is in the business of changing names, but we come into this world without God, without Jesus in our lives, natural men, and we're all related to him, and there's lineage, 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 Noah, lineage, lineage. And you can put these in all of your lineage, each and every one of you. Adam is a great, 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 plus, plus, plus grandfather to all of us. And as time goes on, we start realizing, we, we get to know who our family is, we get to know who our ancestors are, and you can put them in there. I'm going to use mine as an example, but each one of you can put the names that are brought to remembrance into the same slots. And you can put what you feel, you see, in the, in the natural realm, Names have meanings, but oftentimes names are more connected with reputations. The reputation of the father, or the reputation of the grandfather falls on the, the father, and the reputation of the father falls on the son, and so on and so on. And so, I can remember as far back in mine as Wilson Mackenzie. Wilson Mackenzie would be one of my great-great-grandfathers. He was, um, in all, no doubt he was a fisherman on PEI. And some of these descriptions are going to be harsh, okay? Just so you know. He was a fisherman. I would say he was no doubt a hard worker for the times he was living in. He was also, <laughs> using the word, um, an uncommitted, finding the term that is appropriate is sometimes challenging as well. He was an uncommitted, I'll put lover, and an uncommitted father. 
What do I mean by that? Well, he didn't like to marry. And he didn't marry my grandmother. And he didn't stick around for my father. And left them on their own. So, the next person connected to this man would be Charlotte. Nicole. She was a caregiver. Hard worker. She was the same, in essence. Uncommitted. Lover. In her situation, the uncommitted motherhood was not an option outside of her giving my dad up. She kept him and raised him and worked hard and whatnot. As, as you can see, there's really not a whole lot of change. There's a progression of sin that happens. And there's really nothing new under the sun in regards to how natural man acts. The son they had was my father. His name was Preston W. Nicole. There are good things about my dad, and I still call him dad as an honorable thing. He was a hard worker. He was a thief. He was a moonshiner. He was an adulterer and all the other little stuff that comes along with that. I would say he was also an uncommitted father. After, after my mother and him broke up, because the attitude he had was if his children weren't in his possession, he didn't have any. Then there was me. And then all the questions come up. Why is he putting down Nicole? Well, I was born Kenneth Preston Nicole. Um, It wasn't until later years Uh, when my mother remarried that I was too old to be adopted and my name I I worked part-time job paid for my name change because my mother asked me if I would take the name of the new family to honor the family but I was born Kenneth Preston Nicole and I was only Kenneth Preston Nicole until I was 18. There was a lot of crap that happened in that life of Kenneth Preston Nicole prior to coming to know Jesus, prior to becoming 18. I may not have got into some of this stuff here at that early age, but all the other stuff that comes with it... um, I know I lied. I know I, in my early teen years, profanity became a practice. Um, Lots of 
lots of things to cope. The, the thing that interfered with this here name was Roy Morrison. And this man, um, he was a hard worker. He was, in my life, a Baptist pastor. He was, in my life, a released sociopath. He was an occultist. He was an an abuser of women. He was a rapist, all while being my pastor. So what comes in a name? In the natural reputation. Somewhere in here, when I was 15, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, but knew nothing of authority, knew nothing of deliverance, knew nothing of health in Jesus. And these things, the names, hung on me. I had people, after I became Ken Morrison, were concerned about me changing my name because my mother didn't stay with this long. And they asked me, why don't you change your name back? Why are you still staying connected to this this name? And in the coping presence of that time and in the lack of wisdom in that time and pride, I said, "I, I am the one who will make my name. And that's a noble, a noble statement. I'm not concerned about the past. I actually forgave the man. And was released from released from that. And I didn't care about the past, the past name. And I said, I will make Kenneth P. Morrison who he will be re- revealed as or known as. That was noble, but still a prideful statement. Because it was still only me. I was only relying on me. I was only coping on me. And in the hardships, I was a hard worker because sometimes we put our identity in what we do rather than who we are, as many of these others have. Um, I was a failed husband please realize I'm not judging myself, okay? The Lord has brought me past that and helped me be able to look at my past, remember my past, without the darkness connected. I was a failed father. I was an addict. To many things, the most devastating pornography. I was an adulterer, and all the stuff that can come after that the lies and the faking, and the. 
it just doesn't stop with one. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The progression seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger without, without any intervention from Jesus in the line. Where would I have ended up? A mess. A huge mess. This past and the generational connections and the curses passed down and the mentalities taught have all been wiped away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a new genealogy. And those of you in Christ can put your names in here too. You all in Jesus have a new genealogy. You weren't just restored. You weren't just renovated. You were made a new creature in Christ. He didn't use born again for nothing. You were born again. You have a new inheritance. You can't have an inheritance unless you're a son. I have a new genealogy. You may wonder why I put only begotten there. It it defines who the son is. It defines that there's a bloodline. Anytime you read the Old Testament and you see all the genealogies and -and so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, That's all talking about blood. That's talking about the bloodline. Jesus is the only begotten son of the Father. And by the Holy Spirit, I am transformed. I am made new. I am reborn into the genealogy of the Holy Father the Most High God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's the beginning. The the scripture, this is, we were talking about names. And the simplicity here, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. But it's interesting that God the Father gives him a name above all names. That's a power statement. That's a unifying statement of the Godhead. And by him having that name above all names and us in him, Scripture says we're given a new name too. And I'll try to find them here for you. The important name above all names that's given to Jesus has this 
in its power. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby, whereby we must be saved. The power's in the name. What's in a name? Do you have the name? Galatians 4, verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You can't be an heir without a name. I'm going to go to Revelation 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. And this is, these are verses, Revelation chapter 2 is a verse to the church. All the word of God is useful for us, even today. Although this may be written to the early churches. We can, take, we can take the concepts, we can take the principles, we can learn that we have power in a name. And what he gives us. It says... He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, or conquers, the word can be used conquer there, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12 says something similar. He that overcometh, or conquers, he that overcometh will I make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. What's the significance of that? I found it interesting that as I looked at this, going back into the Old Testament to Isaiah, kind of clarified some things. Isaiah 56, verse 5. Even unto them will I give mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. The Holy Spirit does a transforming work in us and gives us an inheritance that will never end. It's interesting. It talks about adoption in the scripture and adoption were sons. And that we're heirs. It's interesting, at least the law that I learned, the little bit of the law that I learned in the natural realm here, the legal system. I could disinherit my natural born daughter if I chose to. I have that legal right. But if I adopt a son or a daughter, and this may be older law, I have no legal right to disinherit him. And that comes from Scripture. 
You'll not be cut off. And it's all because of the name. All because of the name. Isaiah 62, verses 2 to 5. I like these verses. This, this is impacting the name, impacting the transformation, and impacting the joy that God has in giving us that wonderful gift of a new inheritance and a new name. And he says in Isaiah 62, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. The old is passed away, and neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. With the new name and with the new inheritance, I have a blessed future, a blessed now in Jesus Christ because of the name. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee and thy land shall be married. Hephzibah means the Lord delights in you. That's the new name. He delights in you. It's interesting that he mentions Beulah. Beulah means bride. And the relationship to the land is that our relationship, the inheritance, the new name, the transformation... The blessing is a relational thing, not just points. Not just points of fact or points of principle. It's about a relationship. And my inheritance is based on my relationship to Jesus Christ, God Almighty. For as the young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. He delights that you have his name. Recently, in the past couple of months, some of you have experienced a greeting from me as I give you a hug. And at the time, before I really dove into this, at the time... I was believing the name meant something else. But when I went into this and got dug a little deeper, right? The growth happened because I decided to go a little more than just the superficial. Dug a little deeper. I've greeted some of you with, uh, for example, Gordon. This morning, Gordon Ben Yahweh. Blessings, Gordon Ben Yahweh. I believe I've said it to Arnold. Blessings, Arnold Ben Yahweh. I believe I said it to Dennis. I haven't said it to any women yet because I'm not sure the syntax is proper with Ben. When I learn that, you'll hear it. What that means, what I thought it meant was son. Ben means son. 
in, in uh, Hebrew. So Gordon ben Yahweh, I believed it, I was thinking it meant of my Redeemer, son of my Redeemer, or son of the Redeemer. I was wrong. I looked into this, dove, dove a little deeper, and Yahweh has a reference to when Moses had an interaction with the burning bush. Yahweh means I am. I am that I am. It also means the eternal living God. So, you sons of Yahweh are sons of the eternal living God, and you daughters as well. If you know Jesus, you're in the family. That's the best family to be in. And to give you a confirmation of that new name God gives you when you come to know him as Lord and Savior, when you declare, when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the new name is found actually in, or it's at least a clue, it's a clue. Romans 9, verses 25 and 26. And Paul's speaking here. And, and he saith also in Osi, I will call them my people, which were not my people. And her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. That's the new name you have. Can there be something intimate and special with each one of you between the Lord and yourselves? Sure can. But the word of God, word of God declares that you can stand in this world, in this realm today, knowing you are a son of the living God, a daughter of the living God, and have all the power and, and authority and ability in that name. And let's go back to Abraham. Do you know why he gave you the new name? The same reason he gave Abraham the new name. So that every time he says it, it would increase your faith that you are a child of God. And your faith will grow. And your power over other names, everything that comes against you has a name. And you're sitting with the one who has the name above them all. So what's in your name? Do you know Jesus? If you don't, you can. And you can have a totally, eternally different dynamic in your life from this day forward. You just need, him, let him, you need to let him change your family, change your inheritance, change your genealogy and live as children of the living God. That's what's in the name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, brother? I, I understand. Amen. I agree. I read another study where a gentleman, um, he was incarcerated, uh, became, became a believer in prison, and when they came to redo the trial, 
where we approached the trial, the DNA evidence was different. The old DNA did not match the new DNA. Yeah. There's a book on uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Abba, Father, Daddy, thank you. Thank you that there is no question you are the way. You are the way for us to have all the past cast away. And we are reborn with your very being in us. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you that there is a transformation that happens that we often say is a mystery and that we're learning every day what that mystery is all about. Father, bless us today. Bless us with the the faith-reaffirming realization that we are the children of the living God. So as like Abraham saying his name, reinforced his faith in the vision God gave him, that we, as we say Jesus, as we say Adonai, as we say God Almighty, as we say Most High, we are reinforcing our faith that we have a name that is connected to the name above all names and we are seated with him in heavenly places. And with that name, we have the power over all things in this world that comes against the goodness of God. Father, help us be aware, more aware of what's in the name. Help us be cognizant that we can use the name against disease, that we can use the name against tribulations, that we can use the name against trials, that we can use the name against anything that comes against the will of God in our lives. And that name is Jesus. The cripple stood up and walked because of the name of Jesus. Let it be a reinforcing faith from this day forward into this new decade. The dawn of a new decade is upon us and we need to start using the name that's been given to us in greater and intentional ways. Father, reinforce it in our hearts. Help us surrender to this will that is wonderful and Help us surrender to the delight you have in us being your children. And let us be led in this new year with a name that we are lifting high and in that you lift us up with you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for all that is to come. 
In Jesus' name, amen.